0: Welcome to a brief chat. I'm Jason Crane. Today is Tuesday. It's the 14th of April 2020. And I'm joined again by Dr. Segarit Johnson from the University of Illinois at Chicago, where he's an associate professor of African American studies and political science. And he also edited a book on the rebuilding of New Orleans in the wake of Hurricane Katrina and how late stage capitalism factored into that. This is uh, a follow up on yesterday's conversation. So if you haven't heard yesterday's episode, you might want to go back and check that out. And if you look in the show notes for either today or yesterday, you can see the Jacobin magazine article that we're referencing in this conversation if you wanted to read that before you listened. Cedric, uh, we yesterday as we were talking about the particular ways people put blame on New Orleans, it struck me very much that it sounds kind of like the way a lot of uh, right-wing religious leaders, and I'm thinking of you know your, your Pat Robertsons and people like that, have this... Story anytime there's any kind of disaster about uh, debauchery and, uh, b- you know, behavior lacking ethics and morality, and how this is some sort of vengeance on people who live that mm. way. And I mean, this, mm. it sounds like that's a story that gets told about New Orleans in particular with some frequency to hear you describe it.
1: Yeah, it is. It is. And I've already heard, you know, a number of, uh, People in my own family, you know, who've talked about uh, God's judgment and you know He's making His presence known and all this, this other uh, rhetoric. I mean, it's unfortunate that we that we 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 sort of slide into that sort of response. Um, I can only imagine that there's also a torrent of racist responses on their way. Now that we see that you know blacks are disproportionately being affected by uh, COVID-19, so I can imagine people. You know, uh, I don't I even want to I don't want to give them the, the ammunition, but I can imagine all sorts of racial, you know, racist explanations of that as well. But, you know, for me, this is where we have to be intellectuals. Right. And that's this is why uh, we need thinking people now more than ever. Right. Because we have to, to think about these disasters, uh, whether it's the flood disaster in uh, 2005 or the uh, the current pandemic to situate these in, in, in historical context, right. And to also pay attention to the role of, of human forces, right. And, and power relationships and shaping uh, how these things unfold, how we're prepared for them or how we, how we're not prepared. Uh, and who ends up paying for it, right. Who ends up feeling the the most. I mean, I, uh, I think that's bullshit. I mean, that would be the, that would be my my immediate short response to whoever says that this is God's judgment or or uh, who wants to sort of lift it out of our own making. You know, that would be my immediate response. But we need thinking people, man, more than ever. You know, when it comes to to situations like this.
0: In between the. Uh, Katrina disaster, which also, uh, to my way of thinking, was a man-made disaster, and the COVID-19 disaster that we're currently living through, which I don't think the virus was man-made, but the completely incompetent response to it was, in between those two things in New Orleans and Louisiana at, at large was the Bobby Jindal disaster. Um, which yeah. uh, played a big factor in why things in New Orleans are the way they are now, particularly around the healthcare system and people's uh, income being where it is and their ability, therefore, to deal with things like this when they hit. Can you fill in some of those blanks for us? Talk about what happened during his era?
1: Sure. And one, one thing I'll say, um, I mean, the, there's so many different layers to the Katrina disaster that I think uh, have been lost um, you know, in terms of how we think about it, its its long shadow its long uh influence over louisiana politics and and over the the country uh one thing that happens in the immediate aftermath, and this is by design and they 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 basically destroyed um not only the basis for black New Orleans but also the basis of a fairly progressive democratic politics in what can be at times, a red state. It sort of flip-flops. Louisiana is a state that kind of shifts back and forth between being uh, one that's ran by a a Republican governor and one that's run by a Democratic governor. And I think um, in the aftermath of Katrina, right, you've got a million New Orleanians who are are displaced, people from the region, not just the city of New Orleans proper, but from the region. And really for like the first five years or so, um, about 100,000 African-Americans don't return to the city. So, you know, the population of of blacks in the city is, is, uh, is compromised. It's depleted. And that has huge political implications for a few reasons. I mean, for one, what you saw in the aftermath of Katrina was the, the, uh, the kind of, of, um, opportunistic maneuvers by politicians to, do what they always had planned on doing, but but now it was made much more easy by the opposition being scattered to the four winds. And so plans were already in the works to demolish public housing throughout the city. Plans were already in the works to try to privatize and charterize the city school district. But the moment that those those black residents were scattered, it was the perfect time to do that. And so you get a situation where um, public housing is flattened, Raised in favor of mixed use uh, mixed income developments, and then the city moves toward becoming the first city in the country with an all charter uh, all charter school school system. And two things about that, right? You lose um, all those black public teachers, most of them women who no longer are part of this this new system. And you lose all of those public housing tenants. You also had mass layoffs of public employees who are also mostly black. So you lose like a base of what would have been <clears throat> probably the opposition to a Bobby Jindal uh, gubernatorial cam- campaign. But those people aren't there anymore. Right. So then you, he rolls into the office uh, while New Orleans is still on his knees in some ways. And once he's in office, he really uh, moves quickly to shutter um the, the state's progressive uh public hospital system right louisiana had a pretty long tradition dating back to huey p long of um progressive social programs and its charity hospitals was one part of that right so you had uh the moss hospital out in lake charles you had the, the earl k long hospital in baton rouge and then big charity uh right in downtown new orleans all of those working class majority black populations, you know, in some of those cities and, you know, gender moves quickly to, to privatize those, to, to close those hospitals down and to move towards a, a more um, uh, publicly funded in part, but largely pri- privately managed system of, of healthcare. And I think we're seeing the, the fruits of that the sort of bitter fruits of it right now with the COVID crisis. Because there's, you know, a lot of the health disparities that exist in Louisiana weren't changed as a result, not for the better, because of the privatization, right? You still had high levels of, of, um, of high blood pressure and hypertension, heart disease, um, cancer, as well as, as uh, you know, other conditions that we know now are uh, comorbidities when it comes to the COVID-19 uh, pandemic. So I think that 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 in part accounts for the high levels of of uh, of death, and in particular among African American, um, you know, African Americans living between New Orleans and Baton Rouge, Louisiana.
0: Cedric, can you come back for one more day? Sure. Day. My guest is Dr. Cedric Johnson. He's an associate professor of African American Studies and Political Science at the University of Illinois at Chicago. Uh, I will put a link in the show notes to today's show to the uh, Jacobin Magazine article that fleshes a lot of this out even more. You can find this show and all the previous episodes at abriefchat.com where you can also become a member if you'd like, which is a, a great help to me and to my family. I love you. A better world is possible.